Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Our study on Revelation 14, verse number 1 to 5. And this is part 3, I'm sure. Right? Part 3. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So, we want to continue from there and uh, get this right the way it's supposed to be. What we're dealing with. Okay. Again, we say verse number one. And uh, the Bible says, And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Amen. We're considering this fact as to on the overall who are the 144,000, yes, that's the point, but what we're dealing with now is why was he standing? That's part of what we dealt with last week. So why was he standing? There's a kind of continuity, continuing from where we stopped last week. So we also established uh, the major fact of how and why he was standing last week what it means for a royalty to stand uh, either for judgment or for um, honor. We said that last week and uh, we mentioned exactly why Jesus had to stand when Stephen was stoned to death. He saw Stephen, the Bible says Stephen said he saw him standing. So we also established the fact that part of the reason why he was standing when Stephen was being stoned was to bear witness before God on behalf of Stephen for every uh, witness must stand at the witness box to testify of what he or she knows about the case at hand. So two things why he was standing, he stood to judge Israel as it were and then to testify on behalf of Stephen. So again here I want to see why he's standing um, here in uh, the book of Revelation. And uh, I mentioned a little bit last week as well that uh, part of his standing is standing within us because he was slain. He was, he was, he was kind of killed or we, we deaden him, if you will, by our relationship with Adam. The Christ spirit within us died, in, in quote, Christ can't die, but you need to understand what I'm trying to say there metaphorically. He was, he was subdued in us through the life of Adam. And so, by the reason of a new birth, we got into the place of resurrection. And I tried to explain that. Um, Adam and Eve died to the life of God because they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the reason they were able to do that was because they listened to the voice of the serpent. 
And so we find that the serpent communicated death to Adam and Eve. And that being the case, it also means, therefore, that if death came by the voice, then life must also come by the voice. So if, if death was introduced, now life has been introduced. And that is why we read, I think our last scripture last week was John chapter 6, verse 63. And that's very important. Uh, I'm just trying to recap this so that you can follow up precisely. So Adam died because he had the voice. And so Jesus speaking in John 6 verse 63 says, It is the spirit that quickens it. Quickening means gives life. Is that okay? The flesh provided nothing. He said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Maybe you take this from Amplified Translation. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And the first world that came from the devil to Adam and Eve communicated death. So if we must get out of the spirit of death, we've got to listen to what God has to say. Amplifies that the spirit who gives life, he is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatsoever. There is no profit in it. The words, truth, that I have been speaking to you are spirit and what? And they are life. So we are reversing the process uh, that Adam and Eve introduced into us by hearing the voice. And so when you go to John uh, chapter 10, you see Jesus speaking, say, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them, and the voice of stranger, they will not do what? They will not hear. As a matter of fact, in the garden, you can understand that Adam and Eve, they listen to the voice of a stranger. Right? Praise the Lord. They listen to the voice of a stranger, and it was powerful enough to communicate death to them. So, Jesus is reversing that as we listen to the word. As a matter of fact, as you are listening now, you are hearing the voice of God coming to you through the scriptures. Life has been impacted. There's a change that's taking place in your life. The very Christ that was seemingly dead or latent in your spirit is being awoken. Because now you have a resurrection life coming back to you. Praise God. So, like I said... The poisonous death of Adam, I mean, of the serpent, is being reversed. Remember, in Genesis 3, verse 15, you know, we know uh, death came into the scene. And, and this is what it means, like I was trying to say last week, what it means by uh, uh, the serpent bruising the head of the, of the serpent, I mean, the woman's seed. And it's how put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, you shall bruise the head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The bruising of the head is to deal with the authority of the serpent, which he communicated unto man, which leads to death. By implication, help me later. You see, when you talk about the head, you talk about ruling authority, you talk about power, you talk about dominion. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. All right. So the head speaks about the authority of serpent which he already got and have introduced into the system. He was in charge. He was in control of Adam and Eve having listened to his voice. He was in charge. Amen? So now bruising the head means taking away the authority and then Jesus now becoming our head like you read in 1 Corinthians 11. Is that okay? So God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of, of the woman. I mean, of the man. The man is the head of the woman. Is that okay? God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. So 
we find that the hair speaks of authority. So the head of the serpent was the authority of the serpent. Now to bruise the head of the serpent simply means it's taking away the authority of serpent from your life that he introduced his own authority. And so the Christ that was latent or, or, or dead or was not functioning is now functioning. So what that means is it's now standing up. He's taking his place in our life so that he now rules and reigns. Praise God. The healed, actually, you can talk about the gospel. Uh, you can find that maybe on the cross. Not so much about that. Praise the living God. Okay. Again, we'll find that uh, Hebrews 4 verse 12. Uh, another interesting thing about the issue of the word, Hebrews 4 12. Bible says, for the word of God uh, is quick and powerful and sharper than any to your sword, present even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joint and marrow, and it's a designer of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So, hear that. Now, remember, when Adam sinned through the world, words were introduced into Adam. In other words, the blood of Adam changed, in quote, because the life of Adam was reduced, which was the life of God that he was having in the very beginning, in quote. Right. So here we find that I'm just trying to explain to you how the change is taking place. When I mean death came, well, it's reversing the process of the death. So here we find that the world is going deep down to your marrow. Question is, what is in your marrow? We do know that it is in the marrow that blood is formed. Amen? So if the blood is formed in the marrow and uh, the world is going to the marrow, that means the word is going to change the blood that we had from Adam. When death came in, it's like poison. Poison is on fire in the blood. When you say somebody is poison, it's something that goes into your blood system. Is that okay? It can be food poison, it can be whatever poison. You take any poison, it goes into your blood system, you die. So the word, which was poisonous from Adam, causes death to the human race. Now Jesus came and the word has been introduced back into us. So what is happening? It's reviving us. It's changing the life that we have. Now if you look at Leviticus 17, 11, you'll be able to see that. The life of the flesh, the Bible says, is in the blood. So the words that I speak unto you, they are life and spirit. Look at this one. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that make it atonement for the soul. So the word going into your blood is to cause you to have a new life, a new spirit, in quote, as compared to what you had when you heard the word of Adam. That's why the word should be effectual. So we must understand that the word goes beyond just being a believer and then, okay, you've accepted Christ, whatever. It goes beyond all of that. It, it must come to the place of bringing transformation to your life completely. It's, it has to reverse everything that Adam introduced to your life. The word of God must reverse that. That's why the word must be given preeminent in your life. Because, don't forget this, it took words to kill us in Adam. Therefore, it must take words to do what? To revive us in Christ. So you mustn't, you mustn't joke with that. You mustn't play with that at all. That is why the word is so important. 
And you need to get that. That statement of Jesus in John 3, 63 is very powerful. The flesh provided nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So death came through words. Life is coming back to us through what? Through words. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. And the world is going down to your marrow to produce change. That ultimately is one of the reasons I believe we are supposed to live in divine health. The world can literally move into our system and give us life. Let's look at it this way. If you are sick today, you take medication. Every drug you take dissolves and enters into your blood system. Am I right? I mean, that's the way it works. The blood is not going to be floating. No, no, no. It's going to dissolve. Get into your blood system. You're getting healed because the drugs you're taking are diffusing into your blood system. That's how you get your healing. It's the same process now. So the world, if we can see it from that perspective, remember I read in the book of Proverbs. So those who believe in the world, the world is life. Say the world is life and wisdom will find it and become uh, life to our marrows or I mean to our health. It, says it becomes health to those who find it. How is it becoming health? That means what medication actually can do, the world ought to do it. So it has to be a level of belief, a level of conviction. Because understand this, Adam couldn't just bypass, help me Jesus. He didn't just hear the word and then it happened. They partook of the fruit of the tree. Understanding came to them. Don't forget, the Bible said when they saw that the tree was good for food, when they saw, follow the process, they heard and they saw. What do you mean they saw? Listen, the tree has always been there in the garden. That's not the first time they saw the tree. Are you with me? But this is the first time they understood the power of the tree. So how do you see? You see to understand. Amen? So now, to hear the word is different from seeing the word. By implication, you can hear the word without seeing the word. You can hear the word without experiencing the power and the efficacy of the word. So for the world to walk in our life, to bring the change that is necessary, we got to come to the place of seeing and understanding the power of the word. Just like Adam and Eve saw that the tree was good. Amen? Praise the Lord. Alright. So, again, let's look at something in the book of uh, Amplified Translation, 1 John 3, verse number 9. Sitting a little bit with the word before... We move into. I'm going to be sharing two things today as to how why he's standing as well. Okay, so here he says, Amplified translation, is that where you are? All right. Verse 9. No one born or begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sin because he is born begotten of God. 
There's a difference between sinning and practicing sinning. Do you understand this? But essentially, the part of you that cannot sin is your spirit. It's your spirit that is truly born again. Your soul is undergoing the new birth. I've explained this before. John, remember that? John chapter 3, verse number 6. That which is born of the flesh, the flesh that will born of the spirit, the spirit. Is that okay? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You understand that? So when the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit, you are born again. That aspect of you cannot sin. But your soul realm, which is your will, your emotion, your intellect, they are still undergoing the process of redemption. Are you getting that? So, this is what he's trying to say. The aspect of you, the real you, that is born again, cannot, it's practically impossible. Why? He said the sperm of God, which is the life of God, is where? It's in your spirit. You together. And the sperm of God, which is the life of God, is like the word of God. That's where life is communicated from. So you can see how powerful the word is. Praise God. Are we here? All right. And this is why it's important. When you look at Genesis 1 verse 11, you'll be able to see the correlation as to what this is. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. The seed has life within itself. So the sperm of God, which is the word of God, that is not in your spirit, has life. So death has been removed from your spirit, man, and automatically too, I mean, eventually too, from your body. Why? Because the life of God, which is your spirit, can reproduce itself. Praise God. Now, I'm saying all of this to say this, that the death that we had in Adam is being reversed through the word, which is the spam of God, which is not communicated to where our spirit man. So the dead introduced by Adam. Remember we read it last week, Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Right? All of this come from the heart of man. Remember that. And what was it that went to the heart of man? It has to do with the seed, which is the word that was communicated by the devil in Genesis 3 unto man. All of that Jesus in his word and through the word who he is the word is reversing as well. Praise the living God. Okay. So um, look with me to the book of uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 3 verse 20. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we Ask a thing according to the power that does what? Work it in us. The power that work it in us. That's the power now. Where is the power in? In our spirit man. The power that destroyed us was in our spirit man. The power that's reversing us and changing our life, where must it be? In our spirit man. 
Praise the Lord. You get that? All right. So this is what the world is doing. This is what the um, Jesus is doing. And uh, remember, it was called the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world in John 1, 29. Praise the Lord. John 1, 29 talks about the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And don't forget, I tried to explain to you, the Bible didn't say sins, it said sin. Singular. And that scene was what was introduced in the garden, Genesis 3. Amen? The scene was introduced in the garden in Genesis 3, and now is taking away that sin factor from our life. By implication, the poison that was introduced by Adam is now being taken away by who? Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. Okay, so please understand it's very important. And I have explained extensively also uh, the, the, the use of this word when you talk about the Lamb of God because men were always coming with their own lambs for sacrifices. But now those lambs cannot avail for man what it's supposed to be. So therefore, God has to provide himself with the old lamb to do the job that our personal lambs could not do. Amen? Praise God. All right, so let's now try use remaining uh, minutes to talk about the issue of uh, the lamb that is standing, like I said. So again, um, go with me now one more time, Revelation 14 verse 1. Hallelujah. And I look and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him and hundred and forty and four thousand, having his fathers and breathing their forehead. And uh, what we're dealing with, like I said, is the issue of his standing. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are saying, why was he standing? Is there any relationship between him and the one hundred and forty-four thousand? I mean, as you're standing together. Praise the Lord. What happened that makes them or made them to be standing in my Zion? Why is he standing? There's a question. So we're going to be giving a few answers to that. You know. Now, the first thing again I want to deal with here, the word stand or stood. In the Greek, the word stood actually means the Greek word is histamine. It means to stand, it means to abide, it means to appoint, it means to bring, it means to continue, and above all, it means to covenant. To stand or stood means to covenant. Now, we need to get this seriously uh, into your thinking. Okay, let me read an account. I want to give you a story. Uh, as to what happened, Paul shipwreck. So go with me to Act 27. Let's look at 21 to 24. Act 7, 21, 24. Bible says, But after long absence, and Paul stood. Now I want you to know the word. Remember, the lamb stood. Is that okay? Get it. The Bible says, I look and lo, the Lamb of God stood on Mount Zion. 
Yet the Bible says, but after a long time, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, says, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this ham and the laws. The next verse. And now I, I exhort you to be of good cheer, and I want you to know that. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, who I am and whom I serve. And what did he say? Saying, Fear not, Paul, thou of the broad before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that will do what sail with thee. I want you to understand. Just this passage alone, we have two standing. Paul stood, the angel stood. Amen? Now, Paul stood in the midst of people. Get it right. The lamb is standing in the midst of people. So the question we're asking is, why is he standing? Why did he have to stand? If you look at what happened in the case of Paul here in the book of Acts. Who can tell me what happened when Paul stood? As compared to all the angels said as well. He simply came to comfort them. He stood to give them comfort. He told them be of good cheer. When the angel came and stood, he said the same thing to Paul. You are not going to miss anyone. What was the purpose of Paul standing or the angel standing? is to give them comfort, is to cheer them up, is to encourage them. Are you following me? So Jesus standing among Zion was to encourage the 144,000 that have gone through persecution in the hand of the beast of Revelation 13. Praise God. Did you get it? We are saying why did Paul have to stand? And not just that, why did the angel also have to stand? Did you get the meaning? And I exhort you to be of good cheer. That's the purpose. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the sheep. It's comfort, it's encouragement. Be of good cheer. And when the, when, the, when, the, when the angels came and stood, he told Paul the same thing. No, don't you worry. You're not going to lose any man except the sheep. For the Lord has given all these people world to your hand. So two of them standing in the midst of the people was encouraging because of the tribulation, because of the pressure. So, Jesus standing among Zion was encouraged the 144,000 who've gone through persecution, all of those things in the hands of the beast. Hallelujah. So it was encouragement, it was strengthening those who have been undergoing this persecution um, in Revelation 13. Look at Revelation 13, 5 and 6, for instance. Here the Bible says, and there was given unto him, talking about the beast, 
A man speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. Verse 6. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. What is tabernacle? His temple, his people. You are the temple of God. You are the tabernacle of God. And them that dwell in heaven. Now, you understand that. The persecution was going on. Blasphemies was going on. All manner of things were against God and his people. In this instance, the people were discouraged. They were frustrated. You can imagine what they were passing through. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Right. So now, it said those who dwell in heaven. That also is not necessarily talking about those who live in upstairs. To dwell in heaven doesn't mean, help me, it doesn't mean those in heaven. Now, all of this thing wasn't happening in heaven. You must understand that. In terms of where God resides. Is that okay? Hey, are we here? Good. All of this is happening there. So what does it mean to dwell in heaven? Colossians 3, look at verse 1. And then um, Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Look at the next verse. Verse 2. Hallelujah. Colossians 3 verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Look at the next verse. For you are dead, and your life is with Christ where? In God. You are with Christ in God. Where is Christ? Christ is in heaven. Hallelujah. Okay. Look at Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm reading this to explain to you when you talk about those who blaspheme. The tabernacle of God and those that dwell in heaven. Here it says, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us or he gave us life. Quickened us together with Christ by grace he has saved. Look at the next verse. And I raised us up together and made us sick together. We are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we read in Revelation 13, 5 and 6 as well, of those being persecuted in the temple of God and God himself being blasphemed by the beast and not just that and that the tabernacle of God was also being blasphemed as we were persecuted. We are talking about Christians. We are talking about believers. We are undergoing persecution and this has to do with the 144,000 group of people he is now standing in their midst to do what? To confront them, to encourage them, to strengthen them because of the persecution of the business system of Revelation 13. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Praise the Lord. Read again Revelation 13. Look at 15 and 17. <laughs> Revelation 13, 15, 17. The Bible says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that that many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. 
And he calls all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark or the name of the beast, of the number of his name. Amen? So, this is the part of the question that was going on. Um, yes, I'm going to be treating this in the next series after we are done with this Revelation 14. I'm going to go down to Revelation 10 so that I can understand what it means here. Taking the mark of the beast have nothing to do with some literal marks that are going to be written in your hand or your forehead, 666, nothing to do with that. I will explain all of that when we start that series. Praise the Lord. But here is the point. Those who are persecuted, those who refuse to be earthly minded, carnally minded, those who refuse to walk in the light of Adam's lifestyle, they suffer persecution in the world. So now he's standing in Revelation 14 and he's trying to encourage these people who have now been redeemed from the acts. Praise the Lord. No, you don't worry about it. Don't worry. Okay. Amen? Okay. So, we can understand from here that heavenly dwellers have nothing to do with those who are living upstairs. But we're talking about those who have received the life of God, those who have been redeemed from among the men, and they are facing persecution. So, you can be facing persecution politically and religiously, whatever it is on the earth, as a believer. And here, we're saying the Spirit of Christ begins to strengthen and to do what? To encourage you. Praise the living God. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Are you following? All right. So, these people do not have the mark of the beast. They do not have anything, whatever the case may be. So, here is Christ um, encouraging these people. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be explaining to you after now what that stands for about the issue of the mark of the beast, the nine, I mean, 666, all of that and all of that. I'm going to be explaining that to you. Praise the Lord. All right. Okay. We must understand that in Revelation 14, 3 and 4, there is something specific that I would like you to see as well. Revelation 14, 3 and 4. Talking about the 144,000. Bible says, And they sang out the a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders, and no man could lay in that song, but the 144,000 thousand which were redeemed from the earth. What's the next thing? And the Bible says, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. That's what I want you to pick. They are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. They are virgins. Is that okay? What it means is they were not corrupted by the system of man. And because they would not allow themselves to be corrupted, they were facing persecution because they were not part of the system of religion that was going on at a particular time. Do you understand this? Right. So, he is standing to encourage them. He is standing to strengthen them. He is standing to let them understand that nothing is going to happen to them, that he is out there to do what? To continuously protect them. Praise the Lord. Not a minute. Hallelujah. All right. So, again, I'm saying he is standing and addressing 
the 144,000 is encouraging them, is strengthening them by implication when the spirit of Christ oh now no when the spirit of Christ that was dead in quote in your life begin to stand up there's always that encouragement that comes from that spirit this is why Paul could say I can do all things through Christ that does all strengthen at me that's the point you are being strengthened from within so anytime you are down Christ God to stand up to encourage you you can get encouragement from people you get encouragement from him who is standing up within you praise the Lord are you catching this amen alright so let me you must understand when we talk about coming to heaven Okay, look at Hebrew 3 verse number 1 Hebrew 3 verse number 1 Hebrew 3 1 What did he say? Therefore holy brethren partakers of what? The heavenly calling What do you mean by this? Heavenly calling and the next thing he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or confession, Christ Jesus. Heavenly calling means to be called from the realm of Adam into the realm of Christ. As we are born the image of the RT, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We were with Adam, but now we are with who? With Christ. We are in the heavenly state of being and existing in Mount Zion. So, Again, I want to repeat before you or to you. If you are discouraged because of persecution, you need only one thing. Christ standing up where? In your life. Sometimes the way you stand up, thank you Lord. The way you stand up, he begins to give you instructions. He begins to give you revelations. He begins to give you Scriptures that pertain to your situation. That is Christ standing up. So anytime, no wonder he said, Lo, I'm with you always. I will never forsake you, nor what? Nor leave you. Lo, I'm with you always at the end of the age. So anytime you are discouraged, listen, Christ can be standing up. He stood up when Stephen was being killed. So anytime he's standing up, he's to encourage those who are undergoing to what? Persecution, defeat frustration he stand up to do what to encourage them hallelujah are you following it all right let's take this scripture and then maybe we'll close from there today uh 54 62 that's a long reading but just write it down first king chapter 8 <clears throat> hallelujah uh we're supposed to read from 54 to 62 Let's see if we can take it very fast. First Kings chapter 8, 50, verse 62. And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication. Now this is the dedication of his temple. Solomon's temple. Is that okay? Right. And unto the Lord, he arose. That's the point I want you to see. From before the altar of the Lord, from high, I mean, kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven 
He arose. He stood up from kneeling down. Are you getting that? What's the next thing? And he stood, glory, and blessed the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, look at that, blessed be the Lord that had given rest unto his people. Can I hear an amen here? According to all that he promised, there had not failed one word of all his good promises. Can I hear an amen? Which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. No word God gives to you will fail. Hallelujah. Look at the next thing. The Lord our God be with us. Amen. As he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us not forsake us. And Jesus said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. That he may incline our heart unto him to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandment and his status and his judgment which he has commanded our fathers. And then, I led them my words, did my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, benign unto the Lord our God, day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as a matter shall, shall require. Praise the Lord. Now, this is the point. You can say, when Solomon finished building his temple, what happened? He knelt down to pray. Then all of a sudden he stood up and began to talk to God. And then when he stood up and began to talk to God, what was the next thing that he did? He stood up and blessed the people. So what do you think is happening? In Revelation 14, Jesus stood up. He's building a new tabernacle. Hallelujah. He's got his church in place. And his church is facing persecution. You facing persecution. So what happened? He stands up and begins to do what? Bless you. He doesn't only encourage you. He does also what? Blesses you. And he promises you, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is why he's standing up in Revelation 14. Because ultimately find that the one of 44,000, you are inclusive among those people. So anytime you are in discouragement, anytime you're looking frustrated, I'm assuring you, if you can listen closely, if you can pay close attention, if you can be attentive enough, you're going to hear God speak a word to you. You're going to hear Jesus give you a promise and bring in the promise of fulfillment. I love what happened here. It made it clear. None of the promises that God made has failed. By implication, even if you are going through persecution, understand something. There is something God has spoken to you. There is something God has promised you. It's right there under the world. It could be what he has given to you. It could be your revelation by dreams and vision. That is the time it will remind you, this is what I promise you. I'm not going to fail you. Praise the living God. Are you following this? I'm trying to explain to you why he's standing up where? In Mount Zion. It's not just standing up and, you know, whatever it is. No, no, no. It's got a purpose why it's standing up. So the primary purpose is, like I'm trying to explain to you this evening, number one, it's encouragement because of persecution. Number two is to do what? To bless you. Hallelujah. If he's not going to sit down to bless you, he stand up to bless you. Remember, I mentioned that last week, when the high priest goes to the most holy place and comes back, what happens? He blesses the people. Amen? So, Jesus, for his sense, when he rose from the grave, Mary was to touch him and say, touch me not, but I'm not yet ascended to my father and to your father. 
But go tell my brethren in Jerusalem that I've risen. That same day he came. Why did he do that? Because every high priest, after offering the sacrifices, must take the blood to the most holy place. And when he comes out of the most holy place, he blesses the people. So he was saying, I have not yet fulfilled that assignment of a high priest. I just rose. I have to go and come back. Amen? So now here he's standing up. And I'm saying Jesus is standing and he's blessing you. Remember, he said it. My peace, I live with you. So may you have the peace of God. May you have the peace of God in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. That peace which you promised, he said, I will not leave you, not forsake you. And Solomon said, everything you told our fathers, all the promises you fulfilled, none have failed. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. So every promise God has made for you and on behalf of your family and even in church here, God is going to bring it to pass. Praise the living God. That's why he's standing up, people. Hallelujah. To bless us. So you must understand anytime. And this is why Stephen rejoiced when he saw Jesus stood up. Oh, come on. His face glowed. I mean, there was a glow on his face. People could see the radiation of glory on the face of Stephen. Why? He was beholding the father of glory, Jesus himself, standing up because of him to bear witness on his behalf and to encourage him and to let him know, Stephen, don't you worry. We are receiving you. Joy, I believe, well up in the life of Stephen because he saw something that the rest people could not see. Why? Jesus stood up. If he stand up for you, he will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will bless you. He will give you promises. He will ensure that he's testifying before the Father that you are worthy to enter into your rest. Praise the living God, somebody. And Solomon said, God has given us rest. He stood up and said, yes, now we've got all the rest that we need. Hallelujah. You see that Stephen was to enter his own rest. Solomon stood up and let the people know you're entering your rest. Can I say that to you tonight? That no matter what is going on, God is going to give you rest. Hallelujah. God is standing up as we're speaking in your life by revelation and is going to grant you rest. His peace, he will not live with you. I mean, will not forsake you. He said, I, my peace, I live with you. Not like the world will give. And his peace and salom, that everlasting peace, that peace that encourages and strengthens at all times. You can still have peace in the midst of the trouble going on around now. Peace can still be in your life. Hallelujah. This is why Jesus is doing what? He's standing up where? In Man Zion. Hallelujah. To strengthen us, to encourage us. Always, all the time, wherever, at any time, when issues are out of hand, he's encouraging us. Even if you lost anything, don't ever imagine that you've lost it. It's going to be restored sevenfold. It's coming back to you. Nothing. Remember what Paul told them? You shall lose nothing. The angel came and stood and said, Paul, of all the people here, you will lose none. None. Not even. None. Except for the sheep, you will lose none. All the people are given to you. Now he's standing with us. Jesus is standing in our midst. And he's telling all the same thing. We are losing nobody. You will lose nobody. You will lose nothing. Hallelujah. That same word is coming. 
Solomon stood up and said, God is giving rest to us. God is giving us rest in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we place. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.